Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here in Acadiana, you can watch us simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. The Cajuns did not win last night, had one of those kind of bad games from early in the season. I don't. You know, you walk ten batters, not good, and that that was a problem early, and they had kind of kind of turned the corner on that. You know, baseball. I don't I don't put a lot of stock in that, especially like if they would win tonight, it would. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it's it it's a loss. You never want to lose. I, I wouldn't overly worry about it, but it's for you know in the moment it was it, it was not pretty. On the on the good side, Warner and Conus who I think is one of the keys for the rest of the season. Um, he continues to hit. He had a big two-run homer to give him the lead late. Now, you know, that is a couple times in the last, you know, two weeks where you had leads late and your bullpen isn't solving it. I, um, I'm i not sold on Chipper Menard as a closer, but we'll see. You know, we'll... we'll um, We'll 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 see how how it plays out. I am um, the Pelicans won and they're in. Uh, they have a very tenuous one game lead on the Spurs and they lost the season series to the Spurs and so it's really tenuous one game lead. It's funny because their two schedules the rest of the way are virtually identical. They both play Golden State. Uh, I would say the Spurs schedule is a is a hair tougher than the um, than the than the, than the Pelicans, and a lot of that, like I talked about two or three weeks ago, a lot of it's going to depend on who uh, who needs to win. And the higher seeds that they play, for instance, uh, the, 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 the Pels play at Memphis. Well, it doesn't appear like that game will mean anything to Memphis. Memphis is like eight games behind the one seed and like five games ahead of the, you know, the three seed. So they're locked into the two seed. And so I don't know how many games, how many games do you take off? We'll see, I, you know, and so that's their second to last game on Saturday is at Memphis. Will Memphis play all their players that game or will they rest? We'll see. On the Sunday, now the Mavs are only one game up right now. Would probably, I haven't checked, I didn't look at their schedule, but they probably have three games left. Probably most of the teams have about three games left. 
Now on Sunday, the last game, game will that matter for them? For them, you know, because the Spurs play at the Mavs, so we'll see. I mean, it could depend. They also play at Minnesota, which you know right now is the seven seed. So, and they might be resting because they have the seven seed pretty locked. Like nobody's going to catch them, so they might be resting to to rest up. For the play-in game against the Clippers, so I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see, but that it um, at least they're in. And look, let's be honest. When they were one in twelve, did anybody? How many people at one in twelve, other than like the eternal optimist Pelican fan Lewis? How many people at one in twelve thought the late that thought the Pelicans would be here? And the Lakers not. It's just it's kind of working out. As bad as things looked early on for the Pels, it, it's kind of. And now they're talking whether Zion's gonna. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, that whole Zion thing is a, is a mess. I mean, you know, think about it. Between Zion and Plastic Man, Michael Thomas, both New Orleans franchises have kind of been held hostage for two years. It's just incredible. But these injuries by these elite players just held hostage. It's crazy. Speaking of the Saints, everywhere I go, I can't I can't get away from it. I'm watching a little one of those shows I flipped through is the the show from New York, Boomer and Geo, in the morning while getting dressed. And what does Boomer say this morning? He said he's talking about the Giants and the Jets. So I figure, no, this is pretty. Just want to see their perspective on what he thinks the Jets and the Giants are going to do because I'm kind of starting. We haven't started it on the air. Probably do that next week. But I'm kind of starting. Okay, like who do I think this team's going to pick? Because you want to do a mock draft just for the fun of it to see how many you get right, especially this year because the most unpredictable draft I've ever seen. And so if I can get five, six, seven right, I'm you know that'll be tremendous this year. So I, I'm kind of starting, okay, I think this team's going to pick this, and I think this is going to – I've got about three or four teams where I'm pretty confident who I'm going to going to predict. Doesn't mean I'm going to get it right. Who knows? But so okay, but let me see what they're thinking up there that the Jets and the Giants are gonna do. And so what does Boomer said? He says, Well, I think one of them might trade out with the Saints because they're gonna trade up to draft a quarterback. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. That's all everybody talks about. Can we give that a rest? When 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 they're not even talking about the Saints, they talk about the Saints picking a quarterback. I'm just waiting for them to retire on if they do or they were not going to be uh, taking the honey badger. That's all I want to know. Because I'm tired of seeing, oh, you know, if if Tyron, if he signs with the Saints, uh, I'll buy everybody a drink. Every time, I, you know, every person who likes this tweet, I will follow you if Tyron Matthew signs with the Saints. Yeah, I mean, again, Bro. I'm not, uh, you know. I'm going to need him to come they, out that he is or he is not. I, I'm... <laughs> I mean, I want them to pick. I'm obsessing about it to the point that I I want them to pick a veteran safety, but it does not matter to me whether it's the Honey Badger or who it is. I just want them to get a 
above average veteran safety to play that position. I don't know why it's called Honey Badger either. That's just, you know, whatever, his nickname. But, <laughs> I mean, if they sign Matthew, I'm fine with it. And and, and if they sign one of the other veteran safeties, I'm fine with that too. I, I'm not. They're not picking a quarterback. It's not happening. I don't, um, yeah, I don't. I've never, anybody, I mean, I've just, I just don't care where the players play college or any of that stuff. I have never cared about that. But, um, but other than there are certain schools that have been awful to the Saints over the years, and one of them is um, Notre Dame. LSU's been pretty good. I know all that. There's a there's this you know this huge perception out there that the Saints hate LSU, but the, you know over the pre, um, just the LSU's treated the Saints pretty well over the. Now it's been some good, some bad, but 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 it certainly hadn't been the you know, mostly bad or anything like that. So I got I got no issues with the Saints having LSU players. Um, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Those were the three schools that I really identified a long time ago. The, those schools have not treated the Saints well at all. So while some people are really high on Hamilton, I, I'm not. That's my reservation uh, about Hamilton. Um, would would be the fact that he uh, he went to Notre Dame. All right, we'll do this. Take one phone call, then we'll take a break, and then we'll um, be visiting with uh, new Cajun assistant coach George Munoz next. But let's go to the game hotline first. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Man, it's crazy because uh, you cut off when I was on hold waiting to, to, to call into the show. And uh, I was actually calling you about Kyle Hamilton, and and my question to you would have been, you know, what what player would you trade those two picks in the first round to move up to draft? And and my thinking was a Kyle Hamilton, uh, in, in the safety position, more so in the strong safety position than the free safety. But uh, yeah, I was just wondering what you, what you what you thought about him. Well, he's uh, definitely he's he's definitely intriguing. Uh, like I said, I've had long for 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 decades. I'm like, man, stay away from Notre Dame people because they don't ever treat the Saints well. But uh, Notre Dame, Michigan, and Penn State people have never treated treated the Saints well. But um, but the the answer to your question is none of them. There there I don't know that there's anybody. I want to make I want to come away these first. By 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 the time they pick at forty nine, I want them to have drafted three players that can immediately impact this team. I I, I don't want them to trade up and get somebody. Um, but if if you told me they were definitely going to do it, um, you know he would be on a short list of two or three that I would say that would be intriguing. Yes, right. Uh, I <clears throat> I say this. I, I think the Saints need. Uh, we look at the roster and we say, okay, what 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 three players can we bring in, or what two players in the, from the first round, specifically in the first two, the first two picks, uh, could come in and immediately start. And I, I'm thinking uh, offensive line, not necessarily left tackle. A lot of people are just saying a left tackle. When I think you could slide Ramcheck to left tackle because he was one of the top left tackles coming out of college when he got drafted. It's just that we had Teron Armstead, so they just moved him to the right side. So I think it's actually a smart move for him to get moved to the left side and 
if you if you want to go ahead and fill the right tackle position, that would be the the thing to do. Uh, so so offensive line position and uh, offensive line, and then I would say uh, safety and definitely a skill position. Well, they need so, a they need a wide receiver. But again, if they if they draft a veteran safety, I mean, if they sign a veteran safety in free agency, whether it's Matthew or whoever, I, I don't think they're going to pick a safety that early. But if they don't, then they might. Well, it's a big. I mean, we lost we lost our two starting safeties. So I mean, well, yeah, they've know, they've we're, already we're, yeah they they've they. They need one more safety, but and then you know they've signed three veterans, including re-signing PJ Williams, and so I think they're okay. But I still think they need a start. I think they're okay depth wise. They just need another front line starter. So if they sign a veteran, I, I think they'll be fine at the safety spot. Okay, well it's definitely uh, it's definitely exciting. Uh, you know they typically trade up in the in the draft the on draft day. Uh, and then this early move has kind of just got everybody, you know, kind of a little bit more exciting. And I think maybe it's because of the, the the coaching change. I think Dennis Allen says, "Hey, let's let's make our move now," because you know he has to kind of build that reputation on on draft day, making the calls. I'm not sure who 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 makes the calls. Is it Sean Payton? Is it Mickey Loomis? Is it Jeff Ireland? You know, who's making the calls on draft day to get those trades? But uh, when you lose a a, a coach uh, like Sean. You, you, that's that's one of the things that's not really talked about. It's always the X's and O's, but is that is also about the relationships that 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 he built over the years and the you know the respectability throughout the league. For when you you make a call on draft day and say, hey man, I'll, let's let's you know let's do this deal. So you know I think Dennis Dennis Allen just hey man, let's pull the trigger early. You know where I know I can make a move. It wasn't even really a big big jump. You know he just picked up the extra pick. Right and. uh you know, so they're trying we'll to make see. the impact. We'll, we will see. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good one. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. we we'll speaking with new occasion assistant coach George Munoz, Munoz next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to our special guest, I want to remind you, if you would like to win free tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, this is what you need to do. Text Angola to 68683. Text Angola to 68683. You might win free tickets to the Angola Prison Rodeo, uh, which co- it returns April 23rd and 24th and you will see all the bull riding horse riding and convict poker i gotta tell you that's a new concept for me but anyway uh, i've heard a lot of great things never been about how good the angola prison rodeo is and if you want to win text angola to 68683 all right we have with us associate ul associate head coach uh new tight ends coach and just generally a good guy mr 
George Munoz. How are you, sir? Mr. Foote, how are we doing, buddy? Everything is fantastic right now. Thanks for having me on. Well, you uh, you know, a lot of times when coaches come back, you say, well, it kind of is how I left it. And I'm sure a few things are the same and a few of the faces are the same, but a lot has changed since, since you left once you got back, hadn't it? I think it's a lot different uh, now, Kevin. I think it's better. Uh, you know, what they've done here with Coach Napier and Dr. Maggard is just a, incredible uh i think the money that they poured into this place with uh, resources uh with all the help that they have off the field um it's just incredible the players that that they've recruited uh quality quality young men high character guys they work their tails off they're good looking uh football players they practice hard it's just all the right ingredients for a uh winning formula what are the main things do in, in and I've kind of gotten some of them, you know, hearing you speak and and, and hearing Coach Dad speak and Coach Leger. You know, when you go off to program like you you've been at Baylor, you've been at LSU, so you experience some other philosophies, some other coaching methods. What are some of the main things that you that you think that you've experienced that's made you a better coach that is having a, a direct impact? on this new coaching staff under Coach Dez? Well, that part I'm not, you know, not quite sure as far as what my impact is uh, yet right now. I'm just trying to focus on the tight end work right now, which is a new position for me. Never have coached those guys. And with what UL has been doing uh, with the tight ends is uh, quite extensive. Uh, you know, they get a lot of playing time. They're asked to do a lot of different things within the run game, within the pass game. stuff there. So all my focus has just been on that right now. Um, I will say, though, that obviously the last four or five years has been really good to me. Um, I think the benefit to being at, at programs like that is you're getting a lot of influx from, from coaches and, uh, and also players from uh, the NFL that are coming back. Uh, either a coach or just kind of hang out, so you get to learn as far as what the NFL lifestyle um, is about, um, as far as from an X and O standpoint, as far as how they install things, how they do stuff. You know, what's the read? What's the quarterback size? You know, where does he got to go? What's the, what's the protection have to be based off, you know, different fronts? And so you kind of learn the NFL system a little bit. At least that's what I uh, had the chance to do while at, uh, at LSU. And so I think that's helped me out a lot just, just to understand the game in a whole different mindset, a whole different uh, perspective than what I was used to prior to, uh, which was kind of just the college method. Now I think I've been exposed to the NFL method a little bit, and I think that's kind of helping just, you know, certain ways over here as far as if we're talking about a pass concept or talking about a run scheme, hey, guys, you know, here's another way to do it as well. And, and whether they like it or not, it just gets us thinking a little bit. So I think there's been some merit to it. And it sounds like it, it could play a role in the development of whoever the new quarterbacks are going to be and um, you know, everybody, well, I say most people love a good quarterback. Con- I don't know if controversy is the word, but a race to be the starting quarterback. And so have you, I know you're not coaching quarterbacks, but have you witnessed some of the new concepts helping the new quarterbacks or has it just been a transition through this spring session? You know, right now that room is really stacked right now. we got some really good quarterbacks over there. Uh, they got their own battles going on right now. Um, I'll talk to Coach Dez once in a while and, and Coach Vietar, and we'll just kind of shoot some ideas uh, back and forth. Uh, we have installed just a few little packages that we had 
at at uh, at LSU that uh, are pretty simple. I think um, they've done well with his stuff uh, so far, but it's not not very taxing on them uh, mentally. Uh, we call them swipe reads, where the quarterback is just thinking one, two, three, four, right across the board. Uh, so the uh, pass. Pass protection really doesn't matter all that much. The coverage doesn't matter um, all that much. It's a simple concept for the quarterbacks to understand. And so far, it's looked pretty good out there right now. So for a guy who's been around for a long time, and like we talked about, you've been through different programs, when you when you finish, what are you looking for in Saturday spring game, which won't be a full-fledged spring game. There'll be some game-like situations and some practice-like situations. But for me – who's just a sports writer, never been a coach, or never even close to a coach, I, I, I'm probably looking at it differently. As a, so, What are you hoping to get out of this to be able to give you an indication how much progress y'all have made? You know, from the big picture, I think, I think uh, you know, for Coach Dez and for me, like as an older coach, I think we just want a clean game. You know, you don't want the turnovers. You don't want bad penalties out there. You don't want, uh, you know, things like that to make it look – uh, you know, like we're not well coached and that we're not disciplined because we are. I feel like we are that way. So you want to, uh, you want the game to go by, you know, fairly clean from that standpoint. Obviously, you don't want the injuries, right? You want some explosive plays. You don't want a lot of folks. You don't want the defense to look bad either. You know, the defense has to have their fair share. The offense uh, needs their fair share as well. Um, you don't. You want to score some points. You don't want to score a lot of points. So it's one of those things. Yeah. You kind of want some balance throughout the whole day. Uh, I think from a, a positional standpoint, I think I think what we all want is our players to to feel like it's game day a little bit, you know, to get that kind of mojo going going and to get that excitement and have them flying around a little bit. Uh, it's always good to have that feeling during the spring as they get ready for the fall. Um, and the biggest thing, like I already mentioned, is just be sure that that we come out of this thing healthy. That's the biggest thing. Uh, the guys will get some time off in May, um, be able to come back for June and get ready to go. And so the last thing you want to do is is uh, have an injury that kind of takes away their June uh, progress as far as in the weight room and what they're doing there. So that's a, those are probably you know more of the biggest things that we're, we'll be focusing on. You know, you kind of referred to it with you and Coach Dez. You know, I think it's a very interesting coaching dynamic. You know, I know a lot of people on the outside are very concerned about what's going to happen with the program now that Coach Napier's not here. But, but you know, you, you've, um, you know, were a quarterback and coach quarterbacks and was an offensive coordinator. Um, um, coach Viator was a quarterback and coached out and called, was an off, essentially an offensive coordinator and then as a head coach and offensive coordinator and, and, and Coach Dez and Coach Leger, just talk about the offensive coaching dynamic with all those different influences on this team so far. Yeah, so far, like, I think it's been really good. I think uh, there's been a lot of insight. Um, I think overall, I think Coach Dez and the staff, I think we're all trying to keep everything the same as far as what's been good uh, for this offense in the past. I don't think no one's trying to change that. Um, you know, if anything, um, you know, just bringing some new ideas and some different thoughts and different different ways to think about some of the same same stuff that they've already been doing, you know, maybe hide, hide this play with the formation, hide this play with the motion, uh, you know, have balance within a, a personnel group and have balance within that particular formation. I think all that stuff, I think we're all trying to get to. Um, 
but the conversations are, are are fantastic in the room. I mean, really good ideas, really good thought process. I think sometimes with that much offensive minds, like in one room, I think sometimes I think we got to be smart as far as as far as the volume, you know, that we're talking to, uh, about. Whether it's the quick game, whether it's the play action stuff, shot plays, screen game, inside zone, outside zone counters. There's all type of different type of schemes. I think sometimes they're all really good ideas. Uh, I think Dez right now is doing a fantastic job of just saying, "Hey guys, that's that's a little much right there. Let's slow it down. Let's you know we can't we can't teach all this stuff. We can't install it all and be good at everything. Let's pick and pick and choose the stuff that kind of makes sense for us right now." So I think he's he's uh, you know doing a great job with the balance you know from that standpoint. You know, we'll see what what happens on the field on Saturday. And by the way, it's 11 a.m. spring game at Cajun Field. But from hearing coaches kind of talking between the lines and hearing interviewing some of the players, like earlier this week we interviewed wide receiver Michael Jefferson, who had a fantastic first season as a transfer to the Cajuns last year. We've heard some talk or, or thrown out some hints thrown out about the passing game potentially being a little more down the field, a little more dynamic. Is that um, fun, scary? How would you classify all that going into it? <laughs> I think as a quarterback guy, uh, it kind of fires me up a little bit. Um, now, like a lot of this stuff they've already had in the offense, um, I'm just not sure how much that stuff was called um, in years past, but but there has not been a lot of new install as far as the uh, the shot game and the play action stuff. All this stuff, uh, they're just bringing stuff up that that they've had either last year or the last last few years here. Uh, I just think that stuff is getting called more um, a little bit right now. Uh, now whether that stuff gets called more on Saturdays um, in the fall, you know, yet to be seen. Uh, you know, from that standpoint. But as of right now, though, it's uh, it's been fun to see it. Uh, Man, we got some wideouts that can go. We got some quarterbacks that can throw it out there. I think the offensive line tight ends are doing a good job in uh, pass protection to be able to hold up. Because some of those routes are taking are taking some time to get down the field, but they're really effective if you hit them. Obviously, uh, you, you know, especially when you're throwing to Michael Jefferson, who is every bit of six four, you know, two hundred plus pounds, can run, um, is elusive. Uh, has elite hands. I mean, he's a fantastic target. There's a bunch of guys out there that are running, um, running around and making big time plays for us. But obviously, to make those big plays, we got to uh, design them, we got to call them, and then we got to go execute them. Which, which at times we have been doing that this spring. Again, we're speaking with UL tight ends coach, associate head coach George Munoz. And for those of you who don't know him, George was. You know, coached here for about a decade, and then he went and coached a little bit at LSU, coached a little bit at Baylor, and he was an offensive coordinator when Mike, uh, Coach Dez, was a quarterback here, and and Coach Dez called him back, and and he is now back with the Cajuns. So, as you came back, do you – I don't sense with anyone that I've interviewed that, you know, they're – you know, a lot of people are questioning where the program's going to go now, like I mentioned earlier with Coach Napier now in Florida. But there there seems to be a quiet confidence, not any extra pressure. How, what have you sent so far as someone who's kind of coming back as a newcomer with a lot of meeting a lot of new faces as far as the attitude of the leaders of this team and the coaches that are returning as far as where they are moving forward? I think this entire program is really kind of set in their ways a little bit right now. Uh, 
you know, they all have a plan in place as far as what they're doing um, in the offseason with all the different phases. They all know how to practice. Coach Dez, I, I don't believe is changing up, uh, uh, you know, much of the format as far as how they've been doing things um, because the kids already know it. You know, the entire staff already knows it. The video department knows it. The strength staff already knows it. The training staff already knows it too as well. So, so I think he's just kind of, uh, you know, plugging away. Obviously, Coach Dez has his own little wrinkles and, and own little philosophies that, that he's throwing in there a little bit, you know, here and there as far as the uh, direction maybe or, or the attitude that we want uh, for that particular phase. But as far as the uh, the actual schedules and, and actual timing as far as when we're going to be doing stuff, I don't, I don't have the feeling that uh, not much has changed from that standpoint, which I think makes it easier for the coaches that have been here and for all the players that have been here because I think they know what to expect. Um, and it's very detailed out now. I mean, they got a plan. They got a plan in place for every phase, for every minute of the day. Um, you know, like as a coach, we got recruiting hours, we got football hours, uh, we got position meeting hours, we got staff meeting hours. Everything's mapped out, you know, to a T. Um, I think Coach Dez has might have changed, you know, some of those hours around a little bit just to just to meet his uh, schedule. Um, but again, I think big picture wise, probably not a lot of change. And so I think that's a good thing. All right, one more thing. You said something in a presser about last week or whenever that was, and I'm, it's going to stick in my mind all season long. I, I believe in what you call medicine seasons at the professional level where if a team comes out of nowhere and has big success, kind of like the Bengals did last year, uh, the next year they normally take a step backwards. But you made the comment because of your having you know, worked with Joe Burrow and, and know him so well that the best thing that's happened to the Bengals is that they didn't win the Super Bowl because of what that's going to do and his determination. So w- w- talk about that. Yeah, so I think most competitors are uh, kind of built this way that most guys need a chip on their shoulder. You know, so Joe Burrow uh, was that guy, uh, you know, since the time – that uh, Joe showed up on campus in 2018. His chip, I think, was the um, Ohio State um, experience there. And Urban Meyer might have said something to him one time about not having a strong enough arm. Okay, well, that was his chip right there. Or the fact that he just didn't play there. You know, that was his chip as well. You know, every day to work hard, every day to show up and be the first guy in, last guy to leave. Um, and then 2018, we're at a bowl game in the uh, Fiesta Bowl, and uh, Joe throws an interception just gets absolutely waylaid by a, a defensive end. And uh, Joe has the rare ability that when things went wrong, he made a bad play or the offense made a bad play. Uh, he had a tendency to pick his game up, to be able to take it to the next level, where a lot of guys out there, a lot of human beings, that when bad things happen, they kind of sulk, they kind of put their head down, and, and things you know just kind of get worse, where Joe – have the ability to actually raise his game and play better on the very next series. So I made that comment uh, uh, last week that probably the best thing for the Bengals might be the fact that they lost in that Super Bowl, which is going to put a chip back on the shoulder, and he will come back harder. He will come back in better shape. He will come back more focused than he even was this year, which is kind of hard to think that. But that's just how the guy's wired. I think that's a great thing to have, you know. All right, Coach, I appreciate your time. Uh, it's great getting to see you and talk to you again, and, and good luck on, on, on Saturday. Thank you very much. All right, Kevin. Thanks, buddy. All right, talk take care. Soon. George Munoz, great guy. Love talking to him.
We'll take a timeout, come back, and uh, get do our weekly interview with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, we have with us UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs coming off another series win weekend. And the way things are going for me right now, Coach, I think it's kind of, I guess, ironic, but the most encouraging thing that I saw over the weekend Happened in the loss with Jacob Schultz going eight innings. I, you know, uh, th- that was, wow, what a performance. And looking down the road, I mean, that could really pay some, ben- some benefits down the road. No doubt about it. I mean, that's uh, that was a big league performance. If you really watched him pitch, he kind of worked his way into a crescendo. He had he had some uh, er- or, uh, quick innings with some weak early outs. He was able to avoid some big innings with double plays. He was able to pitch without his best stuff until about the fifth, sixth, and then kind of empty the tank uh, in the seventh and eighth. And that's just that's the recipe right there for for great, great pitching. Not chunking, but pitching. And uh, you know, he scattered some walks and a few hits, but was able to manage the game. And he he managed their lineup extremely well and uh, brought us all the way to the finish line. We just got to keep going and break that tape. So, for a guy who's been a relief pitcher basically his whole collegiate career, how do you build up that kind of a pitch count? Is that something that is done whether you're a relief pitcher or not, like through the fall and January? Or how, how do you do that for a guy who's been a career reliever? Well, Jake Jake has a, a rubber arm, and he does a ton of throwing. And uh, he's a guy that wants the ball every day. And... uh you know, he's just got that in him. I don't know that it's as much of building a pitch count as it is uh, kind of changing your routine from a guy that's available every day to a guy that's on, you know, a, a six, seven-day type routine to get ready to pitch once. I think that would be the biggest issue. His arm's so easy, and he, he sinks the ball a lot. It's just, uh, you know, there's not much attacking to him. Uh and he's a he's just a he's a he's a warrior, man. He's a guy that wants the ball, and so pitch count or not, he wants to stay out there. Uh, you know, one I got a this weekend for me was another reminder of, um, you know, you and I both like we love baseball, love I uh, love um, football, and yet I've argued for years one of the things that I like about baseball is that you play almost every day. In football, it seems like you never play a game and. 
y'all y'all took a really tough agonizing loss on Saturday and when you get one of those in football sometimes you got to wait a week or two weeks before you can play again and I'm sure it feels so much better this morning y'all got to play again the next day and got a win yeah I mean thank goodness for that and uh it was a tough loss uh losses like that happen uh you, you don't ever like it but I saw so many uh so many good things you know, I feel like we're trending upwards. Uh, and really, uh, you can trace that Saturday game back to the fourth inning. Uh, we come out and we execute a game plan against one of the better pitchers we've seen. Uh, just a lot of back and forth, big lefties, physical. Kind of makes you a little claustrophobic in the box. Uh, and he has the ability to change speeds anytime. But we knew we could use our legs against him, and we had executed that perfectly. And then finally load him up with nobody out. Uh that culminated on another drag block by Veyon. And then uh, we roll over in a 3-2 count, give them an out, and they walk out of there having given up a sack fly, which to me are rally killers in those those parts of the game. When you have that kill shot, you got to take it. And uh, that, that was a big moment in that ball game. Uh, and then find a way to hold the lead into the ninth and, and uh, give up a hit to Brown, which is fine. I think he's He's tearing up lefties anyway. He's a good player, the third baseman. Uh, but you can't hit the pitch hitter. Uh, they bring a guy in just a bunt. We hit him with a slider. Uh, we run a, a will play, quasi-will play, and, and the ball's bunted back to us. We don't throw to third. Uh, come back. They squeeze on us. I didn't think they'd squeeze first pitch. They squeeze with beatier the nine-hole guy. We come in a little bit out of control. And uh, that just can't happen. You got to damage control at that point. Take the out. Uh, go out to the mound. We plan two straight uh, pitch outs. Well, the first pitch out, we've got to hit off the bag by about 10, 15 feet. We've got to go ahead and execute that that and pick him off third. So it boiled down to making aggressive plays. And then you know Swan, who's their, their best runner, uh, he he caps the ball off Dirk, who did an amazing job. Uh, and we don't come and get it. And, and so it boils down to you got to make winning plays. You got to play to win. And uh, you can't hold on to a lead. You got to finish the game. And our guys are learning that, understanding that. But I think one more game, we're going to hit the halfway point. And, and you look up and you go, dang, man, they got the eighth rated schedule in the country and they've got a 48 RPI. They're trending upwards. And I think we got a chance to g- gain some momentum here heading into the back half. Absolutely. Uh, you know, some of the one of the unsung heroes of the weekend, and it wasn't flashy, but you look up and um, TR was on base, I believe it was nine times in that three game series. And, you know, he, he did get a couple extra base hits. And, and but, you know, he's he just kind of was pretty steady the whole weekend. TR's playing really well right now. And, uh, you know, he's starting to you're watching him get better and better and better and his swing is short and playable right now he's able to bond he's an obvious threat on the bases i think he plays a really good third base in center field i I think he can play shortstop uh we have a shortstop but you see the play made yesterday in the shift uh he's just a he's very very versatile and he's he's a big old raw piece of clay uh that's still being molded and shaped and he's going to be a really really good player one day 
All right. You know, it seems like it's every week now I ask you about this guy, and I I don't know what else you could say about him, but every weekend I get more and more impressed uh, with Julian Brock. He had a big two-run homer, and and, and he made a a stop on a play. He just makes stops look easy for, like, you know, like he's been starting for two or three years. And your team MVP last year was a – was a catcher who was a veteran catcher who had an unbelievable year, and you feel like that, and then, you know, then you get the performance Brock's given you this year. Oh, my gosh. It's really been three years in a row. I mean, you got the COVID shortened year, and we had Toro. And then uh, last year, you know, you've got the the unbelievable year that, that Drake had, and then, uh, here's a guy that's been watching and waiting in the wings. And I'll tell you what, every game we've played this year, he's the best catcher on the field. And, the, you know, both sets of coaching staffs will acknowledge that. I mean, words out on him. And then to, uh, you know, to take a, a pass like he did 3-0 and, and run that ball out of there in a 3-0 count the other way, uh, that, was, that was just a thing of beauty. The other, the other encouraging performance, not so much this weekend, although somewhat this weekend, you, you referred to it earlier, but uh, all overall last week with a midweek game is Hayden Dirk was a was a big question mark. He he, we acknowledge at the going into the season he could be the answer to a lot of issues, and it hasn't come quickly, but we're starting to see some signs. Tell me where you think Hayden is in his progress right now. I think if you look at his last, I mean, three, four outings, there's, there's no walks in there. And uh, they're all competitive pitches in the zone with plus-plus stuff. And I think he's going to continue to uh, absorb and take a, a bigger role in this team. Uh, he's made an adjustment, and, and that's what you got to do in this game. Uh, it's a game of adjustments, and uh, you have to have enough aptitude to, to do that. And, and he got to a point where he could make an adjustment and – Shorten the arm stroke, and he's able to get on the ball on top of the ball on time, and uh, everything's with some downhill tilt to it and, and intent. Uh, I'm just really happy for him because he's getting his confidence, and and you're seeing it on the field. One more thing we want to ask you about before we uh, look ahead just a little bit, um, C.J. Willis. Um, you know, we saw him. It always makes me chuckle when a manager makes a pinch hit or, or, or makes a, a defensive move, and right away it just looks like he's some sort of fortune teller genius there. I mean, you pinch hit uh, C.J. Willis. Not only does he get a double when you're down one nothing to, to, to spark a three-run rally, he, he's the one who hit the home run. Uh, I mean, got, got a triple ahead of the Julian homer, and he goes three for three with three extra base hits. So that, that had to give you a huge smile yesterday watching his performance. It did. Kevin, because I, I know what kind of kid he is, and, and he's just a he serves and he helps and he builds his teammates up, and it's never about him, but yet he's always ready. He's got about five different gloves in his bag. He can play anywhere. Uh, he's a lot of fun to be around, and he deserved that moment. The game paid him back yesterday. Uh, as far as, you know, pressing the right buttons or any of that, I mean, you can do that stuff, but look, the players, they, they're the ones that have to get it done. And uh, he came in and, and uh, found a way to spark us. And there's no doubt he was a huge reason we won that series. All right. So from the very beginning, we've talked about how tough your schedule is. And if you could just get just hang in there and hang in there. And now you're looking at a two games 
on the road in Ruston. And if even if you, I mean, obviously you want to win every game, but even if you just go one and one in Ruston, you're looking at above 500 uh, with basically the whole second half of the season to play and really have a chance to make some hay. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the reason behind the schedule. Uh, but there's a lot that goes into it. you got to be able to hold everything together. And uh, I think we've got the type guys in the clubhouse that can do that uh, because you're going to have, you know, some grinded-out moments. We've, we just happen to have had 27 of them, uh, you know, and, and it's been a test to, the, to get to this point. And it doesn't get any easier, obviously, but you do uh, – you know, it, it, it gives you uh, a lot of uh, reason to be optimistic heading into the back stretch here, uh, sitting where we sit as far as strength of schedule, and uh, you still got a chance to reel off a bunch and then go, wow, you got 48 RPI. And, uh, you know, you hate to look back and go, well, what could have been? But Shock, you know, Marshock hasn't been here. Uh, yeah, I think he's played half of the 27 games, I mean, uh, to have him back, to have a, a confident Dirk, uh, you know, and, and then get a full complement of guys back and, and still be sitting where you're sitting, I think you got to be pretty uh, optimistic about that. Absolutely. I think y'all are in great position. Well, Coach, appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much, and, and good luck this week. Thank you. Take care, UL. Head baseball coach Matt Dirk. Matt Dirk. Matt Deggs with us. Got Hayden Dirk on the mind, and that's, you know, the way he's pitching, that's worth doing. But anyway, appreciate Coach Deggs' time. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All righty, we went a little long on that last segment, so that'll do it for the first hour of Footnotes. Another hour or more time for your phone calls next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here in Acadiana, you can also watch us. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to talk about the Saints situation, like James talked about earlier, what they should do with the first round, what do they, what do you think they're going to do in the first round? I'm starting to consider another position, not so much for the first round, but that would not shock me in the second round, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Major League Baseball, if you heard, uh, you can hear the season opener tomorrow. Major League Baseball starts tomorrow. I guess I'm ready. I know this. I'm not ready for this late night stuff. But if but um, 
I know that the station is. So starting at 8.38, first pitch tomorrow night from Anaheim, Astros, Angels, season opener, and you can hear all the exciting action right here on 103.7. Um, Lafayette and one oh four one Lake Charles. Um at Framber Valdez is scheduled to start. And so it should be um you know, it, it's gonna be an interesting s- season just because you've got some new thing, some new factors to consider. No no Carlos Correa. Jeremy Pena's the new starting shortstop, so it's it's always exciting to watch new young players, um, and, and how they grow and mature in the in those first two or three big moments that they have as as um, as young players. You know, I've said before, I can still remember very early in his career, Billy Wagner getting a big strikeout at Dodger Stadium. I can still remember, oh, used to be fat hitting two home runs at the Murph. Uh, used to call the pit in San Diego early on in his career, where you just kind of say, "Look, they they arrived, they arrived. They, you know, they're going to be good." And uh, looking forward to that. Kind of disappointing, you know. Already they've announced the Yankees Red Sox game schedule season opener after all this waiting schedule for the Mars pit pushback. So it's you know weather as we all know it is it can be a problem, no question. Uh, but I'm thinking the Astros are going to be okay playing in Anaheim other than this old fat guy is going to be up late a lot over the next week and a half watching baseball. So uh, might be a little bit grumpy in the mornings when they lose. When they win, I'll be fine. But when they lose, eh, could be a little grumpy in the morning. We'll see how that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline and talk to Charlie. Hello. Hello. Are you there? May not, may not, may not have, may not still be there. Anyway, uh, try back again. The game is seven. The uh, game hotline is seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. So, if you did not hear yesterday, starting tomorrow, each week I'm going to be, um, we're going to have astral conversations with. Patrick McClellan, who is part of the um, Lima Time podcast, and he's a big Astro fan. And so we're going to get to start to get to know each other tomorrow, opening day uh, at 10.15. We'll be talking with Patrick each week. And I thought Thursday might be a good day because you kind of, in almost days, you know, a lot of times you play on Thursday, but sometimes you're off on Thursday, so you'll be either just has just finished up a um, either just finished up a a a series and about maybe to start a weekend series. So we'll um, we'll we'll do that. We'll uh, we'll be talking starting tomorrow and get Patrick's ideas about this 2022 season for the Astros as Major League Baseball gets underway. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Foot, I was wondering if you were going to talk about baseball with opening day tomorrow. Oh, we're going to get to it. Don't worry. Have you have you picked your, your division winners yet? No, but that's a that's that's a good question. I, I, I need to do that. I guess I'm going to have to. 
I've kind of have an idea of it, but I haven't, as I would say, put pen to paper. And so I got to tell you, Troy, your division's a lot. It is a lot more uh, interesting than I think some people think. I, I, I don't. You never know what the Mets are going to do. And I actually picked a few Mets in my in fantasy, and I'm a little worried about that because the Mets always seem it never seems to work out for them. But but I think the Marlins are kind of a dark horse in your division. I think a lot of people yeah. are sleeping on them. And and of course you said that we got to pay the piper so we can't win the division, right? We ineligible. Oh, I'm not saying you can't win the division. I said you're ineligible for the World Series. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're you're not going back to the World Series. It's possible you could <laughs> win the division. So you're going to pick them before you get off the air today? No, 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 tomorrow. I, oh, I'll tomorrow. do it tomorrow, yeah. Okay. All right then. All right. Bye bye. No, it's um I think the AL ESPN division is gonna be very competitive. You know, the Red Sox everyday lineup is is just fabulous. Now, do they have enough pitching? You know, I'm shocked that on paper anyway, that Matt Bourne's who is still the closer. Now, you know, all it's going to take is one more slump because he he was terrible down the stretch last year. Terrible. Um, And so I'm shocked he's still the closer. There's so, you know, what, what are they going to do with Whitlock? Some people have suggested in the spring he's going to become a starting pitcher. I don't think they've really made that decision yet. Uh, you know, I think he's still going to be kind of a setup guy like he was for much of last season. But, but again, their everyday lineup is fabulous. We'll just see if they have enough pitching. Um, you know, the Blue Jays, wow. I mean, I, I don't – the Blue Jays seem to have it all except for experience. It's the only thing they don't have. Like their their everyday lineup is just loaded with a combination of speed and power. Their starting rotation is not like the best in baseball, but it's not bad. And you know they've got a couple guys on the back end of the bullpen. You never know how relief pitchers are going to do. You know, one year you can be great, and the next year you stink. That's just kind of the the up and down nature of relief pitching. But Jordan Romano is. I wouldn't say he's like a top five closer, but I would say he's a top 15 closer in in, in Major League Baseball on paper going into the season. And, man, they're hungry. You would think that Springer would play more games than he did last year. You know, I'm my first reaction is to say no to the big popular fancy new toy, but, man, it's hard to say no to them. I mean, they got so much talent. And there's such a, you know, it's a fun team that's going to be loose. And remember, they almost made the playoffs last year. They played almost all their games on the road. They, they, they're, you know, they're actually going to play home games this year. So, um, no, it's it's amazing how I don't know that, that they're – is a team in Major League Baseball right now that if you're a fan, that would be more fun right now to be a fan of than the Blue Jays. So I think they're going to be good. And then it's the same old thing with the Rays. 
Everybody keeps looking at them. Oh, they're not that good. They're not that good. They just win every year. They just win. Now, I told myself last season that I am not going to, I am going to stop picking against the Rays until they don't win. I mean, they just win every year. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm picking, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to pick the Rays to win the division because they just, they, Every year it looks like on paper there's no way they can do it, and every year they're right there. I mean, it's unbelievable what they do. Um, I'm high on the Tigers. I think the White Sox are probably too good for the Tigers, but I, I am high on Chuck's Tigers. We'll see. And then I am high on the Mariners. I think the Mariners are loaded with young talent. And so we'll see what I what I end up doing there as well. I think the Mariners, again – you know, it's normal. Like you watch ESP, you know, Sports Center or MLB. You don't talk much about the Mariners. You know, they play in Asia. They've never, you know, ever really have any postseason success. And so, um, it is. Um, it, it not a lot of people talk about, it, but man, they have. A lot of young talent and a lot of relief pitching. Now, what they don't have, I don't think, is they don't have great starting pitching. So we'll see how um, how that plays out this year. And the Astros have always just absolutely owned them. So it's going to be very interesting. So, again, there, there's a lot of intriguing teams, a lot of um, intriguing players, I I think there are more, you know, people talking about how baseball's dying. Um, I, I think there are more good young players in Major League Baseball right now than there's ever been in my lifetime. Now, I, you know, I guess I can't speak of before, but in my lifetime, there's never been this many really good young players. And... You know, we talk about how minorities don't play baseball. But how many of them are not minorities? All these great young players that we talk about. I mean, some of them aren't. But most of them are. I mean, Otani and Bachette and, you know, Vladimir Guerrero. I mean, this guy, Julio Rodriguez, hadn't seen play yet. They're just raving about that guy. Juan Soto. Juan Soto might be the best, might be the best player in Major League Baseball. He plays on an awful team. I like J-Rod's accent. Oh, you've heard him talk? Yes. I I have all the social media and um Matt Miguez, our afternoon host, he actually sent me a video of when they actually told him, Hey, you're in the big leagues yeah. now where they went and told him that his mom and his dad were coming to Minneapolis for his first game. Wow. Yeah. No, I've, uh, I drafted him first round of our minor league draft, which would be the 21st round. Um, and, and, and just in case he, he's as good, like some people are talking, he's the next King Griffey Jr. I mean, I, I can't, you know, that's a high standard to, you know, the first 10 years of King Griffey Jr. were, were unbelievable, arguably the best first 10 years in, in the history of the game. So I can't believe he's going to be that good, but they, they they think he's going to be really good. I'll show you a video of him afterwards of him talking to you here. It was, 
his accent because I think it's beautiful. I love, I just love the way the Latin American players say the baseball. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I, I hate everything about Albert Pujols, but I love the way he says baseball. Yeah. I, I just love it. Yeah, J-Rod's from the Dominican Republic. So, like, when they had him call, took a video of him when he's him calling his mom, and he likes speaking his native tongue, and I was like, I know what some of those words mean. It's showing me what it says, but I don't know what some of those mean. And you just, hmm. It's a long, long season, but there's a lot of storylines to follow, and we'll start talking about a lot of that. And I'll 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 make my predictions tomorrow. I think most position most divisions will be fairly easy, but some of them are going to be um, muy difícil, as I would say. All right, we will take a timeout. When we come back on the other side, we'll have open phone lines again. Talk more. I'm going to tell you of that position that I'm starting to wonder might not sh- probably shouldn't shock us if the Saints address at some point in the draft we'll talk about that and more when we come back after this time out on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history april 6 1992 duke beats michigan in the fab five 71-51 in the NCAA Men's Tournament Championship game. The win gives Coach K and the Blue Devils back-to-back national titles. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline, 706-0111. If you want to talk Major League Baseball, I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know all the reasons why Hannah picked the Mariners, but I think she might have hit upon um the Mariners at the right time we'll see hopefully they don't get too good though we can't be can't be having the Mariners finish ahead of my Astros so we can't can't get too crazy there I mean I mean I don't mind losing a game here and there but we can't we can't be (laughs) um we beat you yeah we can't we can't be having the Mariners being that being that getting that crazy as long as we're friends after the games no matter what happens we're friends after the games but it don't have to be during the game yeah, it could, could get a little dicey. Could get a little dicey. So if you want to talk Major League Baseball, certainly feel free. Saints and draft and trades and all of that, certainly. Um, we talked to a little uh, Cajun football earlier. We're going to, as you know, we'll be talking a little bit more on Monday or Tuesday, give you impressions of the spring game on Saturday. But just to tell you, it's going to be more like a practice. Now, again, there will be some game elements to it or game-like elements, I guess. Um, but it, it won't be like a full-fledged like a game or a scrimmage. It won't be it, it, the whole game, the whole event. There will be some practice-looking drills going on, not just – 
uh, a full-fledged scrimmage. So we'll see how it plays out. And um, we'll talk more on Friday about some of the specific things we're we're, going to be looking for. So certainly, if you feel free, talk about any of those issues on the game hotline, 706-0111. I mentioned a position for the Saints that I'm starting to wonder that if they're going to address, I don't think there's any way they address it in the first round. And I didn't think they would address it in the second round, and I still don't. But the more that I think about it, it wouldn't shock me. Look, I've been screaming and hollering that this team needs another running back since last summer when they decided, you know, they cared so much about $3 million that they cut Latavius Murray and and, and stuck with Tony Jones, and now they guaranteed $3 million to Andy Dalton, who I didn't even want, as the backup quarterback, and these people are still telling me they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. They better not, you know, be so worried about saving $3 million that they had to cut Latavius Murray for Tony Jones and then give $3 million guarantee to Andy Dalton and then draft a quarterback, which is, that's just silliness. But I just wonder... Um, obviously you have on paper, one of the elite running backs in the game, but you know, he could miss six games. It wouldn't totally shock me if he misses eight games. And I don't think that's going to happen, but if he gets suspended six games will not shock me. Then your other running back is old. Superman is old and he's always hurt. So, you know, I don't know that running back is in the top two or three of needs for this team. You know, almost everyone says that it's um, wide receiver and offensive tackle, and I get that, but it would not shock me if Brees Hall is there at 49 and they made their first two picks. I would not be crushed if they picked him. Now, I don't really think that's going to happen, but it would not shock me because th- there is a need. I would prefer a veteran running back, but they they may not be able to sign one that's good enough for the price that they want to pay. So m- might be the best way to address it is to draft a talented rookie running back, which you get a first-round talent in the second round at that position as opposed to picking a quarterback where you get a third-round talent in the first round most of the time. Uh, all right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev. Chad, man, what's happening? Howdy, sir. Kevin, I wanted to call you early. I tried to get in earlier, but that was that was my thought process. Isaiah Spiller, if he's there in the third round, I would definitely pick him. I mean, you, need, you definitely need two receivers. You don't need one. You need two. Off the tackle. But, man, if Spiller is – uh, if Spiller is there, which I don't think he will be, that's a that's a man, he's one of the best backs, if not the best back in the draft. Well, some people are high on the back from Michigan State, and uh, some are high from the back from Iowa State, and some are high on Spiller. So, again, running backs tend to drop. You know, they're they're you know, uh, Brees Hall is probably a first round talent, but running backs just not uh, so much a first round position for a lot of teams anymore. Man, you think you think he's better than Spiller, which he was the focus 
of A&M's offense all last year. I mean, they, they keyed on him every play. I, I, then he still racked up, I mean, yardage. I mean, I think he's – I mean, I to me, in my opinion, he's the best back. Any of those three that they would get – I mean, I don't know that Hall will be there in the third round, but but any of those three that they would get in the third round, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset with. Kevin, if they pick a quarterback, I might vomit. Oh, that I, – I, like, like, I'm serious. No, I, like, I like, 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 oh, that would be the stupidest thing ever. I, I yeah. just can't believe it. But everyone keeps saying it. It's like, can we just stop saying this? And can we move yeah. on? I mean, they, I wouldn't be, I, I think, I think they're going to pick wide receiver and then tackle. Mo, a lot of people think tackle, then wide receiver, but we'll see. As no long, as long as they do, as long as they get a wide receiver, I wouldn't care if they picked wide receiver, wide receiver, and then tackle in the second round. I'd be fine. Well, we, 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 we saw what Cincinnati did. You go after a top-notch receiver. Uh, we saw Cincinnati had no offensive line and made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, but that was because I know Joe Burrow, but his receiving core. Later, man. All right. Take care. Uh, well, the other thing they had was a defense that played very well and forced a lot of turnovers and an excellent kicker. Now, on paper, the Saints should have an excellent kicker next year. Uh, hope Will Lutz is the same Will Lutz that he was before he got injured. I mean, he's been, he didn't play at all last season. He better be healthy. Will Lutz. But no, man, I, 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 I'm not saying it's a lock. They're going to pick running back. I'm just saying it's probably more of a need than some people realize. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Damn, Miami just brought in uh, Morstad. Morstad still has anything left? He did a little bit better last year because he looked really washed up his last year in New Orleans. Uh, he did. He did. He did pretty well last year. Yeah. Now, Foot, I just uh, we fussed about that for two days about Andy Dalton. You liked him, and just now I heard you say you wasn't even too happy about the deal. I mean, you happy about it or you not? Oh, I didn't want Andy Dalton. Now, what I like is having a veteran backup quarterback. So, again, I'm fine with the idea because I, 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 I'm a big believer in having a veteran backup quarterback. I don't want a rookie backup quarterback. I want no poor. I don't want a rookie quarterback ever. But, but, I, but I don't want a rookie backup quarterback. But I, I would have preferred Trevor Simeon. I, I think Trevor Simeon is better than Andy Dalton right now. Yeah, and, and you know, Fred, you keep you keep saying that, but when 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 y'all had Drew Brees, and the rumor was y'all was about to pick Patrick Mahomes, and somebody jumped, the Kansas City jumped and picked him. Wouldn't you be happy right now if y'all had picked Patrick? You got to start somewhere, Foot, with a with a rookie. Oh no, I don't. I mean, now uh, obviously, Patrick Mahomes obviously Patrick Mahomes turned out to be a great quarterback, but. Uh, but no, that that is that's a that's an exception. Mo- most quarterbacks you pick in that ten to twenty range, or even ten to thirty-two range, are not very good. Every once in a while, you get an exception. T- t- the only way that I ever want to have a rookie quarterback is if, for whatever reason, it, the Saints go like two and fifteen. They draft number one or number two, which I hope never happens again. And, and then you pick, you know, an elite guy. I, 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 no, I don't want any part of a rookie quarterback. Okay, you know they got a lot of rumors. I, I, I just read where the Saints might package both their picks they got in the first round 
and move to number four with the Jets. If that happens, why are you moving to number four? What, what do you think they're going to they're gonna pick at number four? Oh, I don't believe that's going to happen. But if that happens again, like, like the text I read yesterday, life as we know it will be over if that happens. But, but what I'm saying is that any way they could be moving to number four for maybe one of the top quarterbacks like you're saying? Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But there's no way that you would move up that far for anything else. I agree. And and these these are third round quarterbacks. Why would you trade up that much for a third round quarterback? These uh, guys read, are not like good. I, say, I read it. I read it. I read it twice. Where they this is the worst. Pick. This is the worst quarterback draft in at least fifteen years. Why would you trade up to get one of these guys? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. But, no, you're right. People keep reporting it over and over and over again. They're driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah, but Okay, I know you don't want it and everything, but if you move up to four, what quarterback would you want them to pick if they would pick a quarterback? Pickett. Pickett's the only one that – it would not shock me if he turns out to be a good quarterback. Yeah, But, so, but so I want no part to, of it. So if they move up to four, you're definitely getting a quarterback, in your opinion. Well, if you move up to four, who you going to – I mean, some people say Hamilton, like um, we we talked to Scott, but I don't think you – there's no way you trade up that much to get a safety. I just don't believe that. No. Yeah. Well. Now, Hamilton's like a better you. player than these two third-round grade quarterbacks, but 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 you don't trade up to get a, that far to get a safety. No, I don't believe that. Yeah. Well, they got a lot of rumors, you know, and, and a lot of them are just that rumors, but – like I said, I read it two or three times where y'all makes zero Jets sense. Moving to the Jets pick at four. All right, foot. All to right. You later. Again, why would you sign Andy Dalton and give him three million guaranteed and sign Jameis to a two year contract and give him over twenty million guaranteed if you really thought you were gonna be trading up to get a quarterback? It just it doesn't make any sense. And, again, I, I, you know me. I, I think all this, oh, we got to get all, we got all this um, salary cap and we got to get our, you know, everything in order and we got to stop kicking the can and all that. I think most of that is silliness, creative accounting, just stuff to say. Now, that's the way I look at it. But let's say you buy that. Let's say... You buy that the Saints are, okay, we got to be more responsible. We got to stop kicking the can. We got to stop taking all these risks with the salary cap. Let's say you buy that. Well, the way to get out of that is to sign as many people to rookie contracts as possible. Like, you don't want to, you don't want to, um, if, if you trade up to get one player that he's not even going to play, like, think about that. If you traded for a quarterback, like all these people keep saying, you are ta- you have right now a chance to get three impact pe- players in the first two rounds, which is also fiscally responsible if you're worried about all that salary cap garbage. But instead, you would trade up to get one player who's not even going to play this season. Well, that makes sense. Let's do that. Let let's let's um 
get all these players back, have a healthy season, and instead of helping our team with two first-round picks, like a tackle or a wide receiver or two two wide receivers or whatever they pick in the first round if they keep them, let's let's use both of those picks to trade up to four to draft a player who's not even going to be ready to play this season. That's a good plan. Let's do that one. So stupid. Why do people keep saying this? It's driving me crazy. Driving me absolute. Draft a player who's not even going to play. That's what I want. A player who's not going to play. That's a good thing. And give up a lot of draft capital to get him. Sounds like a solid plan to me. (sighs) All right. They better stop saying that. Or it might drive me crazy. Especially if the Astros lose at midnight. Bad combination. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an You know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get to Coach Glasgow, UL softball coach, talk about his game tonight against McNeese and more. Want to remind you, if you plan on going to Festival International, this is the way to do it. You need to uh, go to the website, join the Rewards Club, and you might win a prize package that would give you access to front row and stage areas, to shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, and a poster, all kind of great prizes. Again, if you're going to do Festival International, this is the way to do it. So go to the website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Join the Rewards Club. You might win a great prize package to attend Festival International thanks to the game. All right, we have with us UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow. How are you, sir? Uh, Doing good. Well, a little bit of a tricky game here. I mean, you've played McNeese before, and uh, it's it'd be hard to watch any of these McNeese games and not think, man, you know what? This is this is a, this is a tricky one because you know they're going to be feisty and you know they're going to play hard. Yeah, they're they're going to play as hard as they always do, and you know, somehow we've managed to win the the last five games, but they've all been really close, and. Uh, they're they're playing extremely well right now. They've got nine wins in a row, uh, so they're red hot, uh, much like Texas was when we went to Texas. <laughs> and I'll use that as a, you know, to motivate our girls um, that we've done this before. You know, we went to Texas and played them when they'd won sixteen in a row, and but they're red hot and they're going to come in with a lot of confidence. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's a pretty historic series when you get to read, and, you know, they played 130 times. I, I didn't even know that myself. And I was reading uh, Matt Abair's write-up about the the matchup, and 
it's a really historic series for our program. And, and it's really interesting the, the numbers that he threw out on, on his write-up on our website. So what about, uh, you know, it seems like it'd be a good week to not have a midweek game where y'all are right now, and yet you got to go play a really challenging one. Last Wednesday, you attempted to start Kandra, and it didn't work out for physical reasons. So where are y'all right now in terms of deciding how the pitching is going to work tonight? Yeah, you know, if we knew ahead of time the the situation with injuries, we could, we probably would hardly ever play a schedule the way it turns out. But, you know, you don't know those things. And in fact, when you schedule your midweeks, you don't know exactly where you're – you don't know your conference schedule either because usually your midweeks you just flip them from one year to the next year, the next year, the next year, and you keep them on the calendar as such. And so – you know, one year you may have Coastal Carolina this weekend, and this year in particular we got Troy. Um, but I, I feel good about it. I feel like, you know, I'm wanting to get uh, Megan Shorman a start. We've, we've used her out of the bullpen a lot lately, but if you go back early in the year, she threw a two-hitter against North Texas, who's a really good ball club and had a really good season. And she shut them out with a two-hitter. And I think I, I, I've – I've not made my final decision because I'm going to talk to her at 11 a.m. this morning. But that's my thought right now is let's get her back in the circle and let her start a game and see, you know, if you look at the performance she had against University of Texas last week and she was fantastic on Saturday in relief of Kendra Lamb against Texas State. And and I think uh, Kendra could benefit from some rest here tonight. Uh, that's my first inclination. And then, if you know, if – if she's not comfortable and doesn't want to start, then we could always go to Landry. Um, but in a perfect world, I, I want to wait till Friday night to start Landry against Troy and stay with that routine that we've had in the Sunbelt Conference games. The other interesting thing that could happen, if not tonight, maybe this weekend, is Alexa Langoliers, who I don't know how many, but she started every game every game at shortstop until she um, got a concussion. And so... Now, she's close to coming back, it sounds like. Could that be tonight or this weekend, or, or what does that look like? Yeah, she's, she, she's going to meet with the doctor today, and we'll get more details. Um, but I definitely expect to have her back by the weekend. Uh, it, there is a possibility she could play tonight, but I, I won't start her tonight. I, I definitely want to get her a couple days after she's released to you know, get some swings in, uh, get comfortable. And then I want to figure out how I gotta. I've got to get her back out on the field because she's a key player for us over the next four years. And I've got to get her back out there. I want her to experience a stretch run. I want her to be involved on the field, um, you know, in the in the conference tournament and in the playoffs. At the same time, you know, Mayu has done such a phenomenal job, both filling in for Piscos behind the plate and filling in for uh, Langlers at short while she's. And out, I've got to. I want to. I'm, I'm going to be able to take my time, get Alexa back in the in the games smoothly, and when she's ready. So I'll just, you know, once we get the release from the doctor and we get her at practice and full go in practice, we need to get her some repetition for three or four days because I don't want to put her out there, especially against Troy and uh, South Alabama, key conference opponents. And while we need her, we're not. We're not. I don't feel desperate to put her out there early 
and when she's not ready, I want to get her ready uh, to get her back out. So she'll be phased. I think the way the way I envision it in my head, most likely, and it'll all depend on how she comes back and how effective she is in her first practices, is that we'll phase her back in over these next two weeks. Is playing second base a possibility? Yeah, I think so. She played second base in high school. Uh, I was visiting with her, and that's that's a position that she had played in high school. So I think that's definitely a possibility that we would we could make that adjustment, um, put her in there, uh, or we could put her at short and put Mayu at second. And Mayu can play anywhere. I mean, Mayu she can play any infield position, any outfield position really well. So, and we that bat of hers has just been red hot and on fire. And so that's my concern. If I move her off a shortstop, would that have any effect on her bat? Um, because we need her bat right now in our lineup. Um, Absolutely. All right, Coach, you study this stuff way more than I do. I think, uh, you know, you mentioned on Monday's press conference how important the next 12-game stretch is. And I looked up the RPIs of all – and the opponents for all 12 of those games – other than St. Louis, everyone's got an RPI from, like, the 40s into the 70s. So, at what point – like, if you play – I think McNeese is right around 70 or so. So, if you play, like, McNeese tonight or some team has an RPI of 68 or 70 or 71 in that range, it are the at what point do RPIs no longer help you and they start to be in hindrance? Like, how high do you have to get, do you think? You have to be above 45. Um, you, 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 well, you don't have to be. Like I, I can remember a Notre Dame team that got admitted to the NCAA tournament with a 63 RPI. They got a large bid. But normally, to be safe in, to be safely, to be sure that you're going to safely be invited to the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. You need to be below 45, 45 or below. And so we want to be sure we stay in them. We want to be sure we stay in the 30s. Um, and, you know, this stretch of games gives us a chance to actually move up in the RPI because not only that, our conference opponents, you know, when you the, the, the actual RPI formula has nothing to do with the individual RPI of the teams you're playing. It has to do with their win-loss record and then their opponent's one-loss record. So as we go through this stretch of games, they've all got good win-loss records. Uh, so we pick up that, and then most of them have played a really competitive schedule where their opponents, uh, our opponent's opponent has a good one-loss record. And that's, what, that's the case. That's what you get into when you play like Illinois and Indiana. <clears throat> they have got good one-loss records, and then their opponent's, have good one loss records because you know overall most of the Big Ten schools are at, will have a favorable one loss record regardless of what their Big Ten Big Ten conference record is. So anyway, it's just a key stretch, and I, you know if we can come out of this twelve games with you know an eight and four record, that'll be a really that will be in a really good position RPI wise, I believe. And I would like you know I'd like to think we can do better than that, but I also am realistic enough to know that. When you take this young team on the road, you you know that's the other that's the other variable in that of those twelve games, a lot of road games and a long extended road trip over spring break. 
with with a you know big big portion of our team have never did that before never been on a trip like that before so do they respond in a positive way because they're young and fresh and fired up or does it you know wear them out because it's mentally exhausting they never did it before all right so So we're going to be a lot revealed Right. So we don't know yet. I know we're not close to there yet, but is it still cold in Illinois and Indiana? Uh, this time of year, it, it should be around 65 to 70 minimum in the middle of the day. It's uh, April in Illinois is like February, uh, late February, early March, I would say. Because we're talking about mid-April. So I think you're looking like a first week of March where you could have, you could still have a, 45 degree day but most likely it's going to be in the 60s and then there's always a small possibility of being the 70s but you won't we won't be in the 80s i don't think at all so. all right coach well good luck tonight should be a really uh it's always a good game when you'll play mcneese so uh we'll see how that plays out and uh good luck with the injuries and we appreciate your time sir uh, thank you very much all right UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow's got a lot of big decisions still to make. He's already had a lot to make already this season, and uh, it'll be very interesting to see how these next 12 games go for sure. We'll take a timeout, come back with more, finish out today's show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We've been all over the place. Talk football today. NFL, Major League Baseball, softball. NFL draft a little bit and um with only a minute or so left one I you know I keep looking at all these mock drafts just trying to see what people are thinking obviously some of it's going to be true very little of it most of it's not true and um the the one thing that is going to be interesting to see how the NFL clubs do is with the with the position of wide receiver how much will the injury situation factor in? Jamison Williams got hurt in December. Or was that even January? Uh, some people say he's not going to play till November. So again, do you do you pick a guy if you're the Saints and you and you want to win and you need an impact at that position right away? Can you pick him, or do you say, well, I'm not picking a guy for two months. I'm picking him for the next five or six years. I mean, again, what the organization's philosophy there is. Drake London, I still some see Drake London, but some people pick the top five or six. Other people pick them in the 20s, and I think that just depends on is the team going to trust his health issue, just like it is with Williams. Three weeks from tomorrow, I don't know if I can wait that long. It, it It's a good thing tomorrow's Major League Opening Day because I need a little distraction because I got three more weeks of this anticipation. All right. Appreciate Coach Munoz and Coach Glasgow. 
uh, Coach Deggs, um, coming on today's show and the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.